The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Counter uh, for the win of US- USA Today. Uh, this is Charles McDonald speaking. Chris Corman is still not back from his vacation. Uh, He's, he's be lazy. Yeah, he's, he's not lazy. a team player. He's not, he's, not, he's not a hard worker like us. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be back next week. But I got Steven Ruiz uh, and we got the homie, Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic, uh, who covers the Seattle Seahawks. If you guys have not seen the internet or have been living under a rock <laughs> over the past 24 hours, uh, Russell Wilson seems to be kind of flexing his muscles a little bit. I guess that's my read on this situation, but... Uh, he's kind of making some demands about how the Seahawks should be run. And really, I don't really think anything he's asking for is unreasonable. And then uh, Adam Schefter came out with a list of teams that he would want to be traded to. So we'll get into that. But Michael, Sean, how you doing, bro? Man, I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling a lot better than Russ and his people right now. <laughs> so, so, the, the funniest um, thing I saw from the Russell Wilson thing was I was reading the uh, the athletic piece about it was like different writers like offering up trade packages and like you just outright dismiss the bears package, which included <laughs> Nick Foles, which was wild to me. Yo, I, I mean, I try to be respectful. I mean, it's like, us all, we're all colleagues. So it's like, good. It's, you know, it's good money. We ain't really right. beefing, but my man, my man in new Orleans who sent me Taysom Hill, I was like, bro, really? Like, are you trying to get me fired? <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't understand how you think I'm gonna keep my job if I dump right. the best franchise uh, quarterback in franchise history. And the owner's like, okay, so what we get? Like, we got some picks. We got Marshawn Lattimore. It's like, okay, what are we gonna do with quarterback? Well, there's this guy named Taysom. It's like, excuse me. <laughs> All right, get out. Like, what? <laughs> no, man, I, I can't do that. If you're offering Dak in the first round pick, sign me up. Right. How? Wait. How much older than Russell Wilson is Taysom Hill? Or how much younger is are they a, you know, a year maybe I, I like, like a year years older than Taysom yeah Let's something see. like that Jeez. they're the they're basic they're Taysom the old guy stuff. <laughs> yeah he is he's, he's definitely an older quarterback that has like no experience but before we get into some of the trade stuff let's talk about like how this started like how did we get into a spot where you know at least from your vantage point from the point that you've done like how do we get into a spot where Russell Wilson is like even considering leaving Seattle I think a lot of it stems from what Richard Sherman and others tried to warn us about years ago is that like there was a different set of rules for Russell Wilson, like Pete Carroll's pillars, the, you know, always compete um, accountability. Like he has tell the truth Monday, you know, for his his staff um, or in the players too. after every game, like we're just going to air this out and move on. Like that's a good actually thing to have, but accountability doesn't apply to your quarterback. Like if everybody's Mm -hmm. getting aired out, except the dude who threw this interception in the Super Bowl, how are we supposed to feel? You know, if you're bringing in all these young guys at our positions to compete, but you won't bring in a quarterback to compete, you know, which I understand not doing it. But I'm looking at it from the other players perspective like that. That adds up. It's like you're building up. It's like a Frankenstein effect. Like you're creating this monster without even realizing that you're empowering him to think he's different, to think he's special. Right. And on top of that, Russ already thinks all these things. Right. He uh, he considers his whole life the exception, not the rule. <laughs> right. Like five ten, and I got booted from NC State, and then I had to go to Woe is Me, Wisconsin, whatever third round pick, you know. And now, like he he considers himself that way. He's already thinks he's special. So now you got a guy who thinks he's special. You treat him like he's special, right? And now you get into year ten with him, and now he legit behaves like no, no, no. I want control of the roster. Like, I want to pick coaches. Like, think about those two things. Like, even if they make sense, 
that's some real deal goal, right? You got to have some stones to go up to like, hey, hey, can I help pick the right, offensive right. coordinator? Can I can can I help pick some linemen? Can I can we bring in some receivers that I want? Can we sign 50 year old Greg Olson? Like he asks for those things. And, you know, you only ask for those things if you think you can get them and you think you're special. And so that's where we got to a point where he's basically like insubordinate, I guess. That seems a little heavy, but you get what I'm saying. And it's just been building up, like irregardless right. of the O-line stuff and the numbers and the sacks, I think how he was treated when he got in the building, coupled with how he already considered himself different than everyone else, created this like super ultra empowered Russell Wilson who like con- used to consider himself like an extension of management and now considers himself like management. And that's a dangerous game to be playing because Pete Carroll ain't playing that. <laughs> My question is, Let's say, and this is just in your opinion, obviously, if Schottenheimer doesn't get fired, are we hearing about any of this stuff right now? Or is it as extreme as it as it's been? Yeah, I, I think so. I think one of the big things is like Russ really takes playoff losses hard, right? Because the only time he's really forced to watch other people that he thinks he's better than is the postseason, right? So if he loses to the – he lost to the Cowboys in the 2018 playoffs, and then so he had to watch – I can't remember who. Oh, he had to watch like Jared Goff go to the Super Bowl, right? It's like, I'm better than Jared Goff. Right, what the hell am I right. doing on my couch or wherever he was at watching Jared Goff? You know, and, and last year, um, let's see, it was Mahomes and Jimmy G. And it's like, Mahomes, uh, Russ, like, I'm better than both these guys. Like, not better than Mahomes, but like, he thinks that, right? And then so the playoff losses really, really sting him. Like last year after the playoffs, for example, he was at the Pro Bowl. Someone asked him, is there any uh, interview? It was like, hey, does the Seahawks have what it takes to get to a championship? And Russ basically said no. He was like, we need more. Right? Like, think about Russell Wilson after the year being like, nah, roster's not good enough. Like, damn, if you're on the roster, like, okay, is it me? Is it is it the homie? You know, like, Russ don't really say stuff. <laughs> he don't say stuff like that. And that was at, with Schottenheimer still on the staff. That's really what Berth let Russ cook is Russ was like, yo, we're not good enough. You running the offense wrong. Like, imagine campaigning for let Russ cook, right? That means you're basically telling Pete, you're running the offense wrong. Run it my right. way. Again, the audacity. You got to really, that don't just wake up and you think that. You got to grow into that role. So I think even if Shadi was still here, the fact that they got smoked basically at home to a combination of Jared Goff and some dude's name I can't even remember, um, you know, and the, whoever's playing quarterback <laughs> for the Rams, Walford. dude who like, Walford, it, something Walford. Like, Russ, like, I ain't trying to do this. And then I think even if Shadi was still here, the fact that Russell was in a suit. Sitting next to uh, sitting next to Goodell at the Super Bowl, that stung because what I didn't even realize until somebody his camp had mentioned this to me. The last time Russ played in the Super Bowl, he played Brady. Seven years later, where's he at in a suit? Where's Brady? Back in the Super Bowl for like the umpteenth time, like mm-hmm. that really hit Russ. Regardless of if they fired the coordinator, he likes. So I, I guess like what, I, what I'm also kind of interested in is. Like how how much moving forward like does Pete plan on listening to to Russell because just just based on what we know on the outside about both the personalities I can imagine that like as strong will as they are that that seems easy to butt heads uh, how much like does Pete plan on taking his you know opinion into consideration as we move forward here because it's not like Russ. You know, Russ is getting up there. He's like, he's going to be, what, 32, 33 this year? He turns 33 in November. You can't run around. Yeah, I mean, you you can't run around back there forever playing the way he does. So he's going to need some help. Like, how much consideration is Pete going to take into that? I don't think it'll ever be enough for Russ. And I think that's the most important part. Like, 
he helped, like I think to my understanding, Russell helped pick their new OC, which is Shane Waldron. But my understanding of that is that it was more like, mm, okay, you were going to eat at like McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King. Like this is all trash, right, for my, for my body. But like, cool, we'll go to Wendy's, right, because I got the four for four. Like I'm not happy about it. That's just the best of a bad, you know, situation. <laughs> That's not necessarily like giving me the input that I would like. Like, Russ probably didn't even know who the hell Shane was. Yeah, you know, it was like, hey, Russ, I got this guy named Shane. Who? Where? Is he from Is he from the Saints? Is he from the Chiefs? <laughs> no? Oh, then it's kind of just whatever. And I think what really, uh, most people probably don't un- realize this about Pete Carroll, is that he really only came here from USC because they would give him control. He doesn't really have a boss. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way the Seahawks are structured is very similar to a college football program in that, like, yeah, you, there's the AD, but, like, if you're the college if you're the head coach at like a big program you are running right. things there no one tells you anything like there's boosters and stuff but you're the boss Pete Carroll is structured the same way he helped hire John Snyder right Pete Carroll has final say over personnel so when people cite like the Seahawks draft record it's unfair to just blame that all on Snyder Snyder can campaign all he wants he can beat the table to his blue in the face if Pete says nope taking someone else then that's just what it is. And so Pete Carroll, if you're a guy who wants that type of control, you damn sure ain't giving it to nobody who's like you view as the labor. Like he's he's probably yeah. given up a lot in his mind to like even let Russ interview Shane Waldron. Like that's a lot of, of like power he's given Russ. And because Pete only took this job to get power, I, I don't think he's going to continue to like concede power because that's just not – I mean at the end also, I mean Pete's a 69-year-old white guy like – that demographic don't just give up power you know, to, to anybody, let alone right. young people, right. Right? just in general, you know, so then no matter what arena we're talking about. So I think he'll he'll hear Russ out because he sees like how upset Russell is and how willing to how willing to go public Russell is with this. But I don't think it'll ever be enough for Russ because Pete's never going to just be partners with someone. Again, he considers labor, even if you're really good labor. I'm not just going to cons- – we're not equals here. Like, I can fire you. And he has to maintain the dynamic or this whole thing just falls apart. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Like, when I hear Russ wants to be in on the personnel decisions, I'm just, like, imagining Russell Wilson. He's married to Sierra. He's got her in the bed next to him. And he's, like, on his laptop grinding film of, like, <laughs> an offensive tackle prospect from USC. Like, what what does that look like? That's what I, I don't get about Russ's demands. Like, is he going to – be like evaluating draft prospects or what does he want? You know, that's like, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, I asked someone about, I asked someone in his camp about that. Cause I was like, okay, Russ wants O-line personnel, but like, does he really know right tackles in free agency more than like John Snyder? Like I legitimately, I was like, does, does he study this? Cause maybe he does grind and tape, you know, or whatever to know. Right. Um, but I think what really he does is just, they're looking at the big names. Like we all are. Like I think last year they wanted Jack Conklin. Right. Like, did Russ really know who Jack Conklin was um, this time last year? Probably not. He read up on it, saw that he was good and on the market, like, let's sign him. And then they didn't. And they should have. Uh, And it's stuff like that. I think Russ is not like going into the weeds. One thing that Russ cited, which was just kind of it speaks to kind of how irrational he's kind of being right now. He was like, yeah, you know, I go to the Pro Bowl. So, you know, I know who the good players are. And those are the guys I want to, you know, type of guys you want to be in the huddle with. And it's like, Russell, that's not insight. They're at the Pro Bowl, my guy everybody knows they're good. You know, like you don't have some wildly, you know, secretive insight because you played at the Pro Bowl with like Orlando Brown. We all know Orlando Brown's good, bro. Like you're not offering up anything that we couldn't have just Googled. 
you know, I get where Russell's coming from, but like his basis for knowing the talent, I don't think is as great as he, you know, uh, it's not as great as he imagines it to be. Like if you're just right. saying, oh, I'm at the Pro Bowl, so I know who the good guys are. It's like, well, welcome to the club. Now try to now try to trade the Ravens for that and see how difficult it is. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> What what what's the end game on this? Because I kind of feel like even like even with the changes that Russ is asking for, like he's still going to be a guy that takes a lot of sacks and gets hit a lot because it's just kind of the style he plays. Like, in your opinion, what is the end game here for Russ? Is it just another championship or is it for him to be able to show like, yo, like I'm a major player in what happens here? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely all of that. And I do think that Russ wants to go down swinging his way. And that's where him and Pete Carroll are really butting heads. Like Pete Carroll, he wants to do the run first, play defense thing, whatever. Like, I get it. It's stupid, but I understand. Um, He wants to do that. And if he loses in the playoffs, doing it his way, like that's a thing he learned from like John Wooden and like Bud Grant. Like, don't lose who you are. Like, if you're going to lose, lose being who you are. Trust your identity. Like, because your identity is what's going to define you. Like. Uh, I'm pretty sure John Wooden like sat him down and told him that when he was at USC, like he's a big John Wooden guy. And so Pete doesn't want to ever like change up who he is and like second guess what he believes in, you know, and then fail doing that because then he's going to just be what ifing himself to death. And so he's willing to go down swinging with this run game thing. Like I'm going to go down swinging with what I know. Russ is the exact he's in the same vein, but it's the opposite. Like I'm going to go down with me. I'm going to go down throwing like I'm going to go down with me being great. Like if we lose and, you know, I was cooking, it kind of is what it is. But if we lose and we was running the wishbone, then I don't really like that. So I think Russell, (laughs) if ultimately he wants to win, he wants Brady, he wants championships, like he's made that clear. But I think if he doesn't attain those things, he wants to say that he, you know, gave it the best shot that he could doing it. Like he running this like, oh, Marshawn offense when you don't have Marshawn, Russell's not no dummy. Like we just can't do that now. You know, we don't have a legion of boom. That's not going to work. So he'd rather go down cooking then go down, you know, grounding and pounding, whereas Pete's the exact opposite. You'd rather go down grounding and pounding. That's why I don't think they can coexist. They're, they give their own strengths the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Russ gives himself and his arm the benefit of the doubt, um, and Pete gives running the ball the benefit of the doubt. All right, well, if you guys aren't going to give up and get in the room and hug it out, you know, whatever social distance, you know, and fix it, then one of you guys has to go because that's a thing I don't think can be fixed. How how much of this should we blame on Seahawks Twitter and Ben Baldwin specifically? <laughs> I feel like they they like I don't know if Russell is Russell talking like this if if Seahawks Twitter isn't is if let Russ cook is never a thing is he saying the same the same exact thing because a lot of his arguments sound like the arguments you hear from Seahawks. No, they're, they're exactly the same. They are, and I think they've they've been that way. Um, I really think they have. Um, and I don't think I think that's one thing Like, I hope that people on Seahawks Twitter, which obviously I'm like immersed in that. Russ is just one of y'all. <laughs> Russ really is. And he's not because he's like scrolling through like he had to be taught Instagram like 18 months ago. Like he's really not in that. Like I'm pretty sure someone else was running his Twitter up until like a year ago. But he he he's always thought those things like those ideas. It, it validates those arguments from Seahawks Twitter because. I don't think any fan base on its own is very smart, like because people, when you put them together, just get dumb. It's like the psychology behind that. And like it's for like think about the movie Men in Black. He was like, why don't you tell people there's aliens? He was like, people are smart. He was like, no, a person is smart. People are dumb and panicky. That's fan bases. But Seahawks Twitter is, I would say, smart relative to other fan bases. Like they basically went into more uh, pass heavy 
efficient offense to maximize the skill set of their best player. That's pretty smart. Right, like there's a reason that Russell wanted those same things. Seahawks Twitter wanted better old linemen for us. They were tired of those pictures where he's scrambling and all five defensive linemen in the backfield and ain't no linemen in the picture. They tired of that. Russ is too. Like the things that they want, the things that Seahawks Twitter campaigned for, even Ben Baldwin and his war on running backs, like that's what Russ wants too. Russ don't give a damn who the running backs are. You know, like it's cool. Like whether I agree with it or not. Russ is basically a member of Seahawks Twitter. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if someone on his camp really had a burner account <laughs> and was firing off, you know, these like running backs don't matter tweets and like let Russ cook stuff. And like, he is a member of that. The difference is they just don't do it on Twitter. They do it on like through Cowherd. Like, I think we named Cowherd in the story. We named Lock and Forehead in the story. Nick Wright, Brandon Marshall, like all these guys are just speaking all the things that Russ feels. I watched the thing Cowherd had today where he's like, let's. All right, let Russ Cook is out, but let's do put heat on Pete. Man, Colin ain't probably come up with that. <laughs> you know, like with all due respect, like, I respect I'm like, come on, man, that is a full on Russell Wilson e theme here. Like you just dump one campaign slogan for another. You guys are evil. This is the mob. Like I think that Russell Wilson is just part. He's just as angry as everyone on Seahawks Twitter. That's like one of the fun revelations of this that he's just an angry dude with a Twitter account right now. The difference is he gets hit by Aaron Donald. <laughs> All right, let's talk about these teams that he has asked to be considered to be trade to, not trade requests, fake trade requests. I'm still a little confused on exactly what to classify it as, but the Bears, bro, the Bears? No. Like, I don't understand like how you find that spot appealing. Like, Can you explain the Bears' love from Russell Wilson? Someone in Russ's camp actually just texted me now, and I, I want to hit him back and be like, I just want to say, the Bears? Like, huh? Like, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, <laughs> what is going on here? There's nothing attractive about, like, when I've talked to people that we reported the, the names initially, the Jets, Dolphins, I think they probably took the Jets off because I'm pretty sure the Jets were like, either came out and said it or someone told me it was, the Jets were like, nah, we're good. Which, I'm going to talk about some audacity. Like, I understand at the same time, like, you don't just, we good, Russell Wilson, bro. Like, you got a chance to get Russ, you should try. But, I think the, bear, the Bears don't make any sense. I thought about it. There's zero sense. Like, it's cold. Sierra going to be bored. Um, the team is bad. Uh, <laughs> the, the organization is pretty incompetent. Like, they're going to let they're gonna lose. Like, a guy like Allen Robinson. Like, they doubled down on, like, Trubisky. And then, like, was like, nah, let's fall back on Foles. Like, it's terrible. Like, that one doesn't make sense. The team that I had heard the most, at least the two, over the last, like, three weeks is the Saints and the Raiders for some reason like there's a john gruden and russell wilson buddy cop film like to be made of that i guess it's very weird they're really in on the raiders for some reason and the saints for obvious reasons but i don't think they'll get traded either way but yeah i don't i, I really might text the homie and be like yo what's up with the bears like what, what are we doing here yeah i got a theory on the bears all right. He's trying to go to Chicago because there's two baseball teams there, and he can get in on the training <laughs> and do all that that stuff he likes to do. He likes to cosplay as an MLB player. That's my theory on it. That's why he threw the Jets in there too. Oh, I don't. The Jets weren't in there, were they? No, the, the oh, Jets. No. The Jets. I had heard yeah. the Jets. We were reported the Jets uh, initially. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if the Jets ended up trading Jamal pick? back for <laughs> Russell Wilson like that's that, that's also what I'm hoping for happens with uh Miami and Houston like if 
if the Texans have to trade back Deshaun Watson to get that third pick, like that's the kind of voodoo that I'm hoping for. Uh, I like that too. That'd be hilarious. I, I guess. So what? I, you you touched on this for just a second, but what are the chances do you think that Russ actually gets traded? Because just like from a financial standpoint, from the numbers that we have access to on like over the cap and spot track and stuff like that, it still seems like it'd be a hard thing to pull off. Is that pronounced spot track? I've been saying that wrong the whole time. Oh well. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say it either. So. I don't know if it's spot track or spot track. I just I've been spot saying track spot track. I have no idea, track. actually. Huh? That's a. Uh, I mean, it, that's super beside the point. But uh, I think I don't think he'll be traded this year. But the team, uh, and I know in Dallas they don't necessarily want to do this. It doesn't seem like uh, I, that would make sense for all parties. Is the Dallas swap, um, and that's why that's mm-hmm. the deal I accepted. Yeah. Um, when there are all the beat writer homies submitted stuff, like I don't think any of the deals were great necessarily. I'd rather just have Russell, just like in Dallas. I just like we should just pay Dak. That's a lot easier, guys. I feel that. But if you if you're Seattle and like you dump Russ and you get back Dak, like you know. No one's getting fired, probably, so that's cool. And if you're Russell, it's like, all right, you want it out. You got out. You went to a team with weapons. Um, you have to work for Jerry Jones. So, I mean, if you thought Pete was an egomaniac, Godspeed over there in Dallas, but you're out. So you're good. You got your little team. You got your star. It's on your list or whatever. Um, and then I guess it makes sense for Dallas because they actually save money, I'm pretty sure, um, because they don't have to eat the signing, the signing bonus that Seattle already gave Russ. So you actually save money and you upgrade at quarterback and you still have a superstar as your quarterback. Like that one kind of makes sense for everyone. The downside, again, is if I was to tell Russell, like, hey, fam, you're about to work for Jerry Jones. That empowerment stuff is going out the window. You ain't about to do nothing that he don't. Okay, right. Make that very clear. And like he's used to Russ is used to saying stuff and players used to saying stuff and Pete not responding. Nah, man, you get up on here on the Dan Patrick show and say you're frustrated. Jerry Jones is going to be on the Dan Patrick show in the next hour, you know, re- re- uh, rebuttaling all that. <laughs> like, be very careful over there. He probably wouldn't care, but, like, that's the one downside, I think, to that deal. I got, okay, a prediction. I want a prediction from you. Who leaves Seattle first, Pete or Russ? Oh, man, somebody sent me some Vegas odds on that. Never gamble, by the way. Uh, hashtag never gamble is advice I give to everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can't disagree. Condone. This is a pro-gambling podcast. Wait, I, I, throw your money like away. I do, I do <laughs> gamble. Actually, I'm going to tell, tell, uh, tell a funny thing related to gambling. I'm going to answer your question. But uh, I was texting a uh, – uh, it was a player. It was a player. Not a Seahawk. It wasn't a Seahawk. Um, and I was just asking them about the situation. Uh, and – he responded to me with like, like teams. And I was like, huh? It was like random teams. And it was like, at the end, it was like a dollar amount. And I was like, is he, is he accidentally sending me his parlays? And then sent me some more teams, <laughs> some more money. And I screenshot it to one of my homies who's really big in the, in the gamble. And he was like, yeah, bro, he is sending you his parlays. He's like, that, he's like, that's going to pay like 10 bands. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! This, like, this dude's a degenerate. This is like noon. He's taking like one of the teams was like a, a random like, it's like a random Tuesday night Big Ten game, basketball game or something like that. And I was like, wow, you're a degenerate. But uh, yeah, don't don't gamble. Uh, but I think that if they have to choose, as crazy as it sounds, they're probably going to choose Pete. And I think that that's because Pete doesn't really have a boss. Like the uh, Seahawks are owned by the Allen family, owned by the late Paul Allen, rest in peace, owns the Blazers too. Um, his sister kind of runs it, but she's really, really hands off. 
And so if she's, t- I, I don't even think she really wants to run the team, to be quite honest. And I'm pretty sure she don't want to have to go through the struggle of like building a new culture and finding a new coach. It's a lot easier just like, all right, Russ doesn't want to be here. Why don't we just go get a new quarterback, Pete? Figure it out. I just gave you a five-year extension. This is what you do. Like, I'm not tripping. Like, Jody really only comes in on the big stuff. She came in on Russ's deal, Bobby Wagner's deal, I think. And, like, she does some other stuff with, like, you know, who raises the 12th man flag before games, you know, COVID. She has to, you know, approve all that stuff. But she don't. She ain't in her meddling like a Jerry or even like a Robert Kraft. Like, I think that she wants to do the simplest thing possible, which is, too, as dumb as it sounds for me, keep Pete Carroll, keep the culture in place and replace one employee like i get like from a like a math like a math standpoint it is actually easier in her mind to just all right get another quarterback all right cool you made you made hove make another hove you know what i mean whether i agree with that or not that's just kind of where i would put my money on if i was a gambler which i am not now i want to ask more about the guy's parlay like did he know that he was sending those texts to you or was he they were like no it it was it was it was a mistake like he hit me later because i didn't respond i was like huh and then he's like oh my bad wrong person i was like oh it's all good i hope you hit those parlays (laughs) did you you check if he won i was going to today um uh i was going to today because i didn't think about it until uh yesterday but i was too busy uh this was because this this text was a while ago this is why we're reporting the story not when it came out so I wanted to go back and check. I got to go check all the games and be like, dang, did he hit Did he hit on that? <laughs> it was some random games. I was like, man, that's, that was wild. I can't, yeah, even, that was I, funny. I can't even hate on him, though, for betting on random games. Because, like, during the height of the pandemic, at one point, I was I bet on, like, an Israeli league basketball. <laughs> it was, like, 1 p.m. on a Wednesday. Amari Stoudemire was in the game. I bet on his team and they lost. And I oh, was bro. I, when I was having bouts of like insomnia during the start of pandemic, I was betting on Korean baseball. Oh, yeah, too. it's the I Korean baseball. <laughs> Some of my homies was like really like on. And I was like, bro, it was like, yeah, man, I'm up at like three in the morning. I'm like, for what? It's like, man, I had bet on like the, the FUBU Guardians or something like that. And it's long, whatever. I'm like, bro, you are. Go to bed. Like, <laughs> this is not the thing to be doing with your bread in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, we appreciate the time. Uh, before we get out of here, anything else you want to say about the story or anything else that you're working on? Uh, I'm going to just plug my podcast, the Seahawks Man to Man podcast with my homie Chris Kidd. Man, uh, shout out to him. We dropped our podcast the morning of the story. So, like, we go into a lot of the questions that people probably have. Some of the stuff we've talked here, but, like, I just got to do a shameless plug because I grew up watching Diddy sure. who would like have a bottle of Ciroc in his back pocket <laughs> anytime he walked around the streets like a shameless plug bag but yeah appreciate you guys uh, you guys you guys do good work um, actually speaking of you guys a source hit me um, uh, it wasn't about a Seahawk we we're talking about someone it was a guy he rapped but he didn't rap a Seahawk you guys had did a piece like on the um, forget you guys did it together it was a joint byline thing and it was like man these guys like yeah these guys know this shit and I'm like yeah no they do like they do, they do good work. Yeah. So we were talking about his client. Uh, I was like, "Yes, you guys do your thing." So yeah, I rock with you guys. Nice. We, yeah, need, we, to clip, we need to clip that audio and put it in the intro. <laughs> yeah, we we, we can send shit. that to Gannett when it's time to ask for a raise. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, let, let, let them know your work is respected among the you know the people in in the league. You know, yeah. you can, they, people can tell that you got whether you disagree or not. I think he actually disagreed with whatever the conclusion. Was. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, there. these guys are they're wrong, but yeah, they." they but because you know, in our business, people just have takes and don't do the work, right. don't grind the film, don't do the interviews. You know, don't read the numbers. It's just like people players and agents and just people in the league executives coaches they respect the people who like even if i disagree with your conclusion 
I respect your process because that's what they yeah. get mad about the most is you got talking heads on here just wilding, saying stupid stuff and it gets circulated. It's like that's completely dumb. But if you got a well thought out article and if I disagree, but if I know you watch the film across the numbers, I can rock with you. Yep. Appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be the end of this bonus episode of The Counter, the bonus Russell Wilson episode. We'll be back next week on Wednesday, I guess, with actual Chris Corman in the flesh. So see you guys next week. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports.